This is Parkinson's Recovery, and I am Robert Rogers. My guest today is Judith Lynn from Portland, Oregon, who I first met a year ago at the 2011 Parkinson's Recovery Summit in Vancouver. Judith actually provided a demonstration of the incredible healing modality that she has created on her own and there's a video of this demonstration that I just posted on the Parkinson's Recovery blog. If you go to that particular website, and the address is www.blog.parkinsonsrecovery.com. That's P-A-R-K-I-N-S-O-N-S-R-E-C-O-V-E-R-Y.com. You'll see that the posting up for today, and this is March the 28th, is a posting that shows a video of Judith Lynn doing the harmonic healing through her voice that she actually does for individuals and that she has created. Judith is a musician since birth and a performer since she was, hold on to your seat, five years old. Judith has been a student of spirituality, metaphysics, and alternative health for over 44 years. Diagnosed with Parkinson's in 2009, Judith has included her own work in her healing protocol and is very excited about the noticeable improvement of her health, believing that her regular meditation practice of vocal toning is accelerating her recovery. Judith, thank you so much for being a guest on the radio show today. Well, thank you, Robert. Wow, what a wonderful introduction. <laughs> thank well, you. Well, what an incredible person, I want to say, Judith. I was I just tried to meet by the... <laughs> I was mesmerized by the work that you actually do at the summit last year, and I am excited to announce to everyone listening today that Judith will also not only be attending the 2012 Parkinson's Recovery Summit in Cincinnati this June, she will actually be offering a workshop. So you'll get to be able to experience this firsthand and see what powerful healing potential exists for the work that she actually does. Now, by now, I know some people have probably had an opportunity to begin to start the video and have some experience of actually the work that you do. And people who are looking at the video that's posted on the blog are seeing you standing in front of a volunteer and you are basically using your voice as you are looking at the person. Tell us more about what's really going on there. Uh, wow. Well, um, what I call that is harmonic healing, and it's based on the, the well, all of the healing work I do. Really, is based on the notion that everything in the universe is frequency, and that as we incarnate into a, a body. The soul descends through through the, the from the subtle vibration into the denser vibration, and it um, assumes different qualities. So it it moves into the etheric, and then it moves into the the uh, sort of spiritual, and then the mental realm, and then the emotional realm, and then into the physical realm. 
And so when I do the siren up and down the body, I'm, there are harmonics present in the siren that um, should they should buzz. <laughs> the, the whole the whole siren should have a buzz to it, and um, if everything is in harmonic alignment. But most usually things are not in harmonic alignment, alignment, and so I I do I, I hear things in the sound. Is it I, I'll hear glitches. Is the only way I can think to explain it. Um, and that tells me where to begin, and it also usually gives me a picture of what's going on within the person that needs to be harmonized. So it's sort of like uh, tuning a piano. If um, I like to use that as a metaphor a lot. I end up using the, the, the whole piano as a metaphor and, and the keyboard of the piano as a metaphor. So, um, so for anyone who knows anything about piano tuning, it's actually a very complex instrument to tune and you can have uh one string be slightly off and it can it can make the whole thing sound off so so that siren is a way for me to to discern what's off and then to um sing into it and to harmonize and bring bring it back into harmonic alignment so that's the short story actually <laughs> People see you actually making uh, a toning uh, sound from your voice in front of this person. Do you always use the very same note or sound for everyone, or does it vary from person to person? It varies from person to person. And um, over the years, what I've learned is to get myself out of the way and allow allow myself to be an instrument and open up to uh, there's a sense of, of a divine singer so- sounding through me so that I'm just an instrument. And the um, and I find that the pitches change and the, and the vowel sounds change. And it is dependent upon what the body needs in order to to come back into balance. So there's, there's nothing um, – it's hard to systematize it because of that. I in the uh, workshop in the vocal energetics workshop that I teach, uh, and we'll be probably doing uh, at least portions of this at the at the uh, summit. There's uh, an exercise that I'll teach which uses vowels in a very specific way to um, to balance the 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 physical with the emotional and then the mental and then and when those three are in balance with each other, we go into we drop into a, a deeper alignment, which al- aligns us with spirit. So in Hawaii, they talk about the um, they'll talk about those three zones as being the manao is the the mental, the pu'uvai is the heart, and the naao is the belly. And and when when those are in alignment, we go into a state of pono, which is alignment with with our highest selves, and that's the state that we want to be in. At all, at all times. So, so in vocal energetics, I teach people an exercise that will help help them to be um, to to practice that, to to develop that as a practice. And this is something you'll be showing people how to do at the workshop in Cincinnati in June, then. Um, yeah, we'll at least have a start on it. The, since the workshop's what is it, an hour and a half. Yes. Yeah, we'll, we'll get a start on it, and then it depends on what happens. So, um, so people will have at least uh, some basic exercises that will, um, will that they can take home and, and work into their daily practice to um, help 
stimulate that alignment. We have a question from a caller from area code 541. You're on the air. Hello. Oh, hi, Robert. It's Sherilyn. Hi there. How are you? I'm well. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, um, I just tuned into this, and um, I guess the first question I have for you, Judith, mm-hmm. is I do uh, zazen meditation, which is just a, you know, there's no toning or sounding involved. It's just um, quiet sitting. And I was wondering if you could discern for me um, a tone that would be good for me to use um to meditate with um yeah what i would encourage you to do is uh to uh focus in on your breath and um to I, i'm taking a look at it here and, and this is going to sound like it's going to be silent air time so hold on <laughs> if um so if I could see you in person or if, if I could work longer with you, then we can work right now. I would uh, probably take you through some exercises to 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 determine um, something that might be more specific. But to start with, if you would, if you just tune into your breath and uh, follow that breath into the stillness, and then gently allow. The, a tone that comes from a deep part of yourself to ride on that breath. So, uh, without, so that it comes, it, it's, you, by that, by the time you are doing this piece of it, you've dropped out of your head and you're dropping down deeper into your, into your belly, into the depths of your, of yourself. And, um, and allow that tone to, um, it's, it's like you're painting the breath with the tone. And you can feel uh, when you you might play around with the pitch a little bit to feel uh, find the pitch where there's where the body is uh, resonating more. So I'm gonna I'll demo that for you. So I'm gonna drop deep, breathing, following the breath deeper in, into my belly. And I like to actually use the vowel uh, syllable O for this. And I'm going to fool around with the pitch a little bit. Um, uh, 
Oh, my mind was busy. I was thinking about, I was relating my own experience of using the hue sound to that. Yeah, that's a good sound. <laughs> and um, um, so, yeah, I could I could feel when you kind of switched gears a little bit in 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 the um, towards the middle of the the, the sound. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what I mean by finding finding your own pitch in that way, and that pitch will change from day to day depending on what's going on in the um, various elements of your life, your internal life and your external life. So, does not only the pitch but the the vowel sound that you use? I mean, do you does that change as well? I mean, are there days when you would use ah, then o, and then e different? You know, or do you? Basically, like, is there one vowel sound that you tend to be, or that I would tend to be, to need to to integrate harmonically with? Um, I would recommend that you that you focus on on either O or or U is good for for this particular exercise, um, partly because of uh, because those vowels. Are, it's easier to find to activate the harmonics in those vowels, uh, unless yeah, let's just let's leave it at that. <laughs> <There's> okay. a, um, <laughs> when you're working with vowels, there's a whole set of frequencies that we're working with called formant frequencies. So there's the fundamental pitch, and then there's the formant frequencies, and then there are the harmonics on top of all of that, and um, Singers and speakers will train for years and years to develop the ping in their voice. That's that edge that 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 allows the voice to be carried all the way back to the back of the hall. And um, that's why Pavarotti can sing really, he could sing very, very quietly and over an orchestra, still be heard over the orchestra. And um, so that's, that edge is, is developed through um, years of practice and when you've got that edge going, then you can do the A and the, and the A and the E in a way that um, will bring forth the harmonics necessary for this, for the, the purpose that we're um, calling forth right now. So, um, so <laughs> the easiest vowels to do that on are the O and the U. Okay. And well, I tend to go for lower pitches because it's easier to do that, in, um, and I want people. The idea is to get as deep as you can in the body, you know, to get deep in the belly. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. I I was wondering, do you, now I, I see on the website here that you um, you do readings. Are, yeah. Is, you, are your readings, um, did, are they limited to the harmonics that you work with, or do you do, do you, do you trace? Like are there psychological aspects of a person's challenges or yes yeah i um i find uh thank you for asking about that um because i find i find that when with looking with working with the sound work that it the sound work is really effective in in making the connection the emotional connection between that heals the mind body split. So there's a lot going on for people um, in the emotional body, especially the 
I think especially Parkinson's has this tendency for uh, people to to be in a mind body split, and there's a um, it's really important to address those issues. So in a in a reading, we would be looking at uh, what was going on in 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 the emotional body and what sorts of of, um, of uh, programs. Um, uh, I can't think of the word. <laughs> um, you know what what sort of issues are, are are reoccurring in their lives that are bringing up basic issues that need to be that can be healed through through examination through shining the light on them. So um, it's there's some work that's involved with looking at the shadow self, uh, exploring what's there that might be coming up and and sabotaging um, sabotaging ourselves in our lives so that we can. Um, heal that stuff and bring that into harmonic alignment because the ultimate goal is to be in complete harmonic alignment so that um, everything, all the vibration within is, is is in harmony rather than in distortion. So in in a private session we would we would be looking at all of that. Then we would also look at how that plays out in the physical realm, and sometimes we're looking at belief systems. So um, we're looking at the mental realm. So we're, we're weaving, the, the soul weaves vibrationally through all of those bodies, and it's a um, it, it's an integrative process. So if we address one area and tweak that in some way, if we tune if we tune the, the strings in that area, then that will no like uh, prob- it will most likely take us into another area that needs to be harmonized. So, um, so we will just we dance around wherever we're wherever the journey leads us, and do our best to meet the journey. Can that you answer your... the phone? Sorry. Can Can you work over the telephone? Yeah. Yes. I can, I do. I use I work on Skype also for, and um and I do some work actually long distance. Uh, you know, um, off the phone in, in the middle of the night. So depending on um, what um, there, I do some work with death and dying. I activate something called the Jacob's Ladder, which are the frequencies that are um, that that are uh, optimum for ascension out of the body. And what I found is that sometimes, sometimes actually, when I work those uh, frequencies. Sometimes when the soul needs to get back into the body for to finish out uh, more of what's going on in their life, um, I'll do the Jacob's Ladder work and they'll actually come in and, and um, be able to be more fully integrated into the physical realm. And then for somebody who's lifting out, um, I'll, I'll do the Jacob's Ladder work and they'll be able to, to shift out in a more easy, graceful way. So that sort of work usually happens um, n- not on the telephone, but in uh, in, in a med- meditative space that I, I go into, um, usually in the middle of the night. And then so I also has, work in person also. So <laughs> is your meditation your primary treatment that you, in, you know, that you engage with treating? You have Parkinson's disease. Yeah, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's in um October of 2009. 
I try uh-huh. not to the language um, that I have it. Um, I, yeah. I try to be really careful with my language because part of my right. work is um, governed by the idea that there's power in the word, mm-hmm. and so um, that so I want to choose my words very carefully. So I'll tend not to say that I'm suffering with Parkinson's or um, that I have Parkinson's. I I um, I'm reminded of I think it was Pima Children who said that pain in life is a given, suffering is a choice. So um so I um um ha- have taken that as really taken that into consideration and I um so I've been so so I, I was first diagnosed with Parkinson's in October two thousand nine. I have done all sorts of alternative treatments. And um, what I'm doing now is a combination of doing my sound work and um, also doing I I do I, I lay on a frequency bed and I I also work with the rice machine which is a frequency treatment um, I have body work done uh, and and I do that once it's usually every other week. There's a lot of dietary protocols that I follow and supplements that I pay attention to that I take regularly. Uh, sometimes I do detoxing protocols and um, I there are exercise exercise things I'm doing that include um, walking, uh, some stretching and yoga, and uh, something called agoscu, which is is a, a new newer form that it happens that my housemate teaches so I um, am able to benefit um, by um, having being able to sort of tag along with it, with her sessions um, it, I'm trying to live think, in Hawaii I, I, sorry do you live in Hawaii no I did live in Hawaii um, oh. I at the moment I'm living in Portland Oregon Oh, I'm in the John Day area, so I'm just a couple hundred, well, about 250 miles away from you. Well, give me a call <laughs> if you're coming to town. Do you come to Portland? Um, well, I uh, I haven't come to Portland for a long time, but I'm getting back to where I'm able to drive again, so... You know, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. So, um, I, I this is really interesting. I, I I'm interested in it. So we'll see. Are you diagnosed with Parkinson's? Oh yeah, yeah. It's, um, my um, external symptoms really started about 18 years ago, mm. and so it's been a while. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. And um, well, how are you treating it? Go ahead, Robert. No, no. Uh, you, you, uh, how am I treating it? Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've I've done a lot of things. Um, at first, I started with doing a neuroemotional complex work with the chiropractor, and then, of course, dietary stuff and 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 supplements. And I am. Um, did some yin chui na work. Uh, I worked with homeopathy and acupuncture, and 
I've done a lot of cranial sacral work. I was part of Roger's, um, I mean, Robert's <laughs> um, <laughs> energy project up in Portland. And, uh-huh. Um, um, I've done, um, I, I do, I get massage regularly and I do a little yoga and I'm doing meditation and I have worked with a, a really special music therapist, um, I don't know if you've heard of him, his name is Jack Stuckey, he's in no, Colorado. No, I, I have not, you haven't heard of Jack, well he, he does, um, harmonic type where he's a, he 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 started out as a music therapist and now he's this really um he does he does I don't know if you'd call it harmonic work but um mm-hmm. he does sound therapy and um he uses the um well he uses music and he he's done a lot of biofeedback work so he integrates that with music and and his own um shamanic um practice and mm-hmm. um so i'm just um i'm i'm actually doing pretty well um, uh huh good that's I good just, I, I i do take a very very small amount of cinnamon so i um i i don't take any other any other medication besides that and i also uh-huh. i also take fava juice which is you know, um, I just take the the fava bean pod and juice that not not with the bean in it, and mm-hmm. that has been really helpful. But uh-huh. um, that's good. I, I've, I've I've done a lot of really crazy stuff too. I did this one thing called um, a physical dimensional access manager, uh-huh. <laughs> and um, I won't even try to explain that right now because. That's fine. <laughs> I've done a lot of stuff too. I think I give you way too much information. Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. Sherilyn, um, I want to I want to thank you so much for calling in and sharing with us your questions and your story. And what I want to do now is to move over to asking Judith uh, some additional questions about exactly what she does. Well, thank you so much, Robert. Yeah, thank you, too. It's wonderful to you. Nice to talk with you. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. So, Judith, you've discussed harmonic healing, but Mm -hmm. you're also the creator and the inventor of something called vocal energetics. What is vocal energetics? Well, it's related. It is related to harmonic healing. Um, Vocal energetics really came first. I I grew up in a musical family. I was surrounded by music from conception because <laughs> both my parents are musicians and singers. And um and so I was kind of groomed, I guess, to be um to go into music and particularly be to, to be a singer. And I um um ended up dropping out of college and back in the 60s when that was fashionable. And um, went to the West Coast from Iowa, and I started my spiritual training. I was um, initiated into a yoga group and taught yoga and and, and learned about the chakra system, and so uh, and de- and developed my meditation uh, capacities, I guess, or the meditation practice. And so later, uh, 
when I went back into singing, I uh, went. I had done a lot of therapy and, and realized that I really want, longed to, to be singing. So I, I went back and sang classical music and started to sing with the opera company and, the, and do various theater things here in Portland. And um, I was felt that there was more to do with the voice than what everybody was presenting at that time. And so I came across a teacher named Richard Armstrong from the Roy Hart Theater in France and was quite taken with the work that we did. And I ended up going to France to do more work with the Roy Hart Theater people. And they explored all the weird things that your voice can do. And so they opened up, that that work really opened up my instrument. And so I came back from France and started to teach and, and had the most trusting students show up. And they would, um, we would play with the voice. And as we played with the voice, then I started to see things uh, about how the energy was moving in the body. And I, I uh, could, I could see uh, how, how their relationship shifted with, with the earth and with the, with the grounded world. And uh, how I could see how the voice was opening up their, uh, their hearts and and taking them into emotional areas that they might not have wanted to visit. Um, and so, sometimes that would show up in the selections of songs that they would bring in to sing. It was it was very revealing when I started to look at that and and there'd be some phrase in the song that would if if I had them repeat that phrase oftentimes would take them into some area that was uh, very emotionally charged. And so it's fascinating to do that work, and and this I was so grateful for this, the gift of these very trusting voice students. Um, anybody that works with their voice classically can, knows that there's this sort of a unspoken thing. Well, sometimes it's spoken that says that you have to be very careful who you who you work um, who you go to for a teacher because you're, they could ruin your voice forever if they make you do certain things, and so. Um, the Roy Hart people were uh, great in contradicting that belief. Um, they would basically direct you just to breathe through the sound and uh, make sure that everything was, was loose and not constricted. And if if you can, as you do that and and focus into um, keeping your your especially your your throat area loose, then you, there's you can't cause any harm. And so what? So I. Then I began to notice the difference, the, the connection between the throat chakra and the second chakra. So the the, the uh, throat and the belly would, um, as we loosen up the throat, the belly would tighten up. We loosen up the belly, and the throat would tighten up. And there was this, but but there'd be this um, correspondence between the, the two areas that we could get expansion happening as we worked the two areas. It was it was fascinating as that was coming up, and. Um, so it just grew from there, and I um, developed the vocal energetics work off of all of my observations over the years of working with the voice. You have an incredible range in your voice. Is it seven octaves? Is that right? Five. <laughs> Five octaves. Now, that's Five an incredible range to me. Is Did that come from birth, or is that something you had to develop? Um. Well, I think it, 
I think the the musculature is there for all of us to have that sort of a range, and we just haven't been given the permission to use it. And that's that's the basic underlying um, uh, condition, I think. Is uh, Roy Hart, who was an avant-garde theater specialist uh, actor in London in the 70s, uh, did this work, this exploratory vocal work. It's called Extended Vocal Techniques at this point. Um, it's based on the work of Alfred Wolfson, uh, who survived World War One and um, uh, came out. I, I don't want to get way into that story. Let's see. <laughs> but, um, but Roy Hart uh, said that the voice has the capacity to sing every note, every pitch on the piano. That um, that the muscles have the the ability to to produce all of those sounds, and so the Roy Hart work because they hold the space so big for the possibilities of the voice, they um, give you the chance to really stretch, and um, and and they encourage you to make weird sounds which was very contradictory to the way that I was uh, taught in the um, classical system, which is uh, called bel canto. Bel canto means be- beautiful sound, beautiful singing. And so it, there's a very cultured uh, sound that they're going for there. And then in the Roy Hart work, they're saying, you, if you hear a glitch, go into it, because that's, that's, there's beauty in that. There's a whole re- world, a whole universe in that. And then as you open up into that, then that stretches your voice. So that brought, that work brought a lot of range into my voice, both um, in in uh, um, range of pitch, but also textures. And and it also um, opened up the part of me that would wasn't afraid to go into the the cracks and the crannies. And that was really important. And the more I give myself permission to go in the cracks and crannies and explore, then the more that opens up the universe of the voice for me. And so then, so that actually, so that that happens in vocal energetics, but then I apply that in, in harmonic healing so that when I sing into a body, the the the, the video that we've got on, on the um, website is actually me doing a, a mini harmonic healing and generally when I'm doing them in person, I have the client lay down on the table. And so I, I do the siren. So they're, they're laying down and they can go into a, uh, an altered space if, if that's what their, their system wants. And they, they can go to sleep. They can go into a, a sort of shamanic state. Um, oftentimes that's what happens. And, and, um, I, I sound into their body and, it, and I'll hear, I'll, I'll hear these, these uh, cracks and crannies and go into them and sound them and then that sounding opens the whole area up so it kind of the image I keep seeing right now is like a um, a balloon that has been wadded up and you, you blow that balloon you're blowing that balloon open and you want the, it to be completely inflated and you have to blow a little extra in certain areas in order to get it to, to stretch and open and that's Sort of a metaphor for what I'm doing with the, with um, applying the vocal energetics into for uh, harmonic healing. You've lived in Portland as well as Hawaii. What took you to Hawaii? 
Mm. I started to do work with the the humpback whales. From a, from the time I was a child, I was very um, very interested in the humpbacks. And I you know I was growing up in Iowa, which is about as far away from the ocean as you can get, and uh, didn't even see the ocean until I was eleven. I think it was it was you know near I was nearly a teenager, and um, so we just had fantasies about the ocean. And uh, it took me a, a, quite a while to get to Hawaii. But I had a vision that uh, called me to Hawaii and and, uh, and guided me to sing with the whales and to to see what would happen. So I went out to Hawaii to 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 do this um, to to play with the the humpback whales, and make sounds with them. So I'd go out on a boat and I'd actually sing through a tube into the water. And we would uh, what evolved was this this color response sort of. Um, um, Duet <laughs> that would happen with with uh, any whales that were around. So, color response is a, a it's a, a song form that's used in chanting. Uh, you'll hear it in Indian music or in, in any sort of um, chanting group where a leader sings one line and then the, the uh, group um, cop- sings it back the same way that the leader just sang it. So, we would do this color response thing. It really amazed me, and I tried to introduce some new sounds in, and, and sometimes I'd get them in return. It was very, very cool. <laughs> How long did you live in Hawaii? I was there, um, let's see, I started going out there in 1998, and I would take sound healing groups out there, uh, and we would do sound work and do our intensives there, and then I'd stay afterwards and do my, my exploration with the whales. And in 2002, I heard, um, I, I got the call, and it was a literal call from, uh, um, as I was, I was leaving the island to go back to Portland, and I, I heard the island say, um, go home, go back to Portland, complete your affairs, and get back here as soon as you can. And it shocked me how visceral it was, but it was, um, it was, it was the, the call of, that's legendary, that called me to the islands. So that's what I did is I packed things up and I moved out to the, the islands. And then opened up a um, a whole un- unexpected chapter of my life. Um, I got to, to work with this great Hawaiian chief uh, named Holly Makua. And um, there's actually a book that Hank Wesselman has just uh, published called the bowl of light and that's Hank's story with with Holly Makua. Um I have a, a different story with Holly Makua, but he was Holly Makua was a, a highly revered chief in all of Polynesia and he actually also was a considered a global elder and he sat on a, a council of global elders that would um that would meet uh at the UN and he they were meeting also with with uh with groups of, of people that were working to heal uh, and re- reclaim indigenous mind. So they were doing some very interesting work. And I was really, uh, really grateful to get to meet with him. And, and I got to spend a lot of time with him in the last year of his life. And I felt that there were stories, there were things that he taught me. He would, he would teach a lot of great 
teachers teach in parables and like Jesus did. And um and so I found myself going back to the the stories that Makua would share that really helped me navigate in the early time of my diagnosis of um of Parkinson's and um they would those stories would would echo uh for me there's um there's one that he told of when the first Polynesians came to the islands how uh the 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 first migration happened and uh they were coming basically because there was a legend that this this place existed and so they were uh in their canoes and they were headed in the direction that they uh that legend said that the islands exi- were, were, were that they'd find the islands and they headed north and um and as they'd followed the stars in order to get there and at a certain point, they noticed a change in the waveforms and in the change in the clouds and the change in the wildlife and in the way the fish were swimming and the and the birds were flying. And they realized that they, that there were they were approaching land, although they couldn't see it. And so what happened then was that the the priest would of the the group, the spiritual leader of the group, would go and stand in the front of the canoe. And he would go into that aligned self, that this, that same aligned self that I've been talking about with uh, that, that we work to cultivate through the vocal energetics work. He would stand in that aligned self and open up to the highest, his highest self, and he would start chanting. And instead of pointing the boat towards the islands and moving towards the islands, he would call the islands into them. So by standing in the in his highest presence, he would chant, and and that would call the, the that would bring the the world to them, and so so that has been a, a real guiding post for me as I've been working with the um, with the conditions that we're working with with um, with uh, the Parkinson's um, uh, the Parkinson symptoms. You are now a teacher and a doer of vibrational healing. Did Makua teach you about vibrational healing? Mm. When I first met him, I went. There's a certain place he would take people to called we call Makua's office, and it's on the rim of Kilauea Crater in the Volcano National Park and on the Big Island. And so, I met him there, and uh, he took me. We we went there repeatedly, and he would take me out there, and um, we'd sit on the edge of the rim, and he'd have me sound, and then he would he would do his prayers first, actually, and and then I would do my sound, and he uh, the first time he heard me do my sound, he was quite I could I could feel his eyebrow lift as he looked at me, and I think he was he was surprised at what came out, and so. We got back to the the van and he looked at me and he said he said you know the formula for manifestation and I repeated to him the one that Jonathan Goldman teaches who Jonathan Goldman is a um a well-known sound healer who's done a lot of a lot of pioneering work in the sound healing fields and he offers this um this formula that says frequency plus intention equals healing and 
uh, I, I used to teach that, but it, it felt off to me from, and so it's always felt off because it felt like it, it, you can have one intention, but you can be sabotaged by unconscious intention. And so frequency plus intention can equal a whole lot of different things. So I offered that up to Makua and I said, frequency plus intention equals healing. And he just looked at me and he shook his head and he said, frequency plus feeling equals manifestation. So, so as I was, um, in, in the first time of, uh, of the first few couple years actually, the Parkinson's symptoms, I was declining and I was spending a lot of time in bed and I was repeating what's going on with me, what's going, something must be wrong with me. I think those are the words. And I would, um, at, 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 a, at one point, or a certain point, it began to dawn on me that that was my inner dialogue, that was, it was my inner tape that was repeating constantly, something must be wrong with me, something must be wrong with me, and then it would get something really, really must be wrong with me. And um, so if, if, I'm, if my teaching is that frequency plus feeling equals manifestation, then that's a perfect setup for, for manifestation, manifesting a great disorder. And if I want um, to be in a space, if I'm calling my life to myself from that, that inner tape that's running at the core of my being, that something is wrong with me, then I need, I need to take, I need to address this and I need to address it right away. And um, I think that, that came about uh, at, um, boy, I think that came about in several months there's a period that went from the summertime of, of 2000 and, uh, 2009 to the wintertime of 2009 where I, I spent a lot of time in bed. It was really hard for me to get up and, and move around. I couldn't, I couldn't walk. I couldn't make it from my daughter's, from the door of the house to the, to the end of the block. I didn't have the energy. I'd, I'd get liver pains and uh, would be was really just in pain a lot. And uh, my system was really deteriorating. My situation was deteriorating. My body was really getting sick. And I was laying in bed a lot. And I was listening to books on tape. And so I listened to uh, Michael J. Fox and I listened to, to Byron Katie's work. And um, and I I. Let's see. That was the time when I, when I really began to address this this issue of what is wrong with me, and to to take it really deep. I, I think I hit bottom at a certain point, where I realized that the shift had to be made from the in, inside of me, and I thought to um, I thought to Makua's teaching of vibration plus plus feeling equals manifestation. I thought about the um, the situation of, of calling my life to me and the power of the word. And then I thought of another teaching Makua had, which was that it, we should live our lives with no limitations on five qualities. The first is absorption, exception, assimilation, adaptation, and affection. And he said the most um, important one was acceptance, and so so I took a, 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 
good look at my life and the conditions that were presenting. And um, I went, and uh, let's see, I, the, in addition part, I've realized I'm wandering here. I'm really wandering, and I apologize. But there was a, um, a point where I had to move into acceptance of what the situation was and about how sick I was getting and how in spite of all the alternative things I was doing, nothing was working. And I also noted that in my life and in my work, what I've noticed is sometimes you have to take a step in the opposite direction of the step you want to go in. And so um, I was being encouraged strongly to, to start on some drugs, and I had been not wanting to do that. And I ended up deciding that I was, that, that maybe it would be to my best advantage to start on some drugs, and then I could have the strength to get my system back up, and if I could get my system back up, then I could get my, my, um, my, my strength back up and could devote myself to the alternative practices that would bring forth a, a healed state. And so I started to take, um, I, was, I was given Mirapex and Amantadine, and I take very small amounts of that. The doctor actually, doctors want me to take more, but I take just barely enough to keep me um, functioning, and then I add all this other stuff onto it. And so what I've noticed is that the strength so I started that in 2010 in, the, in March or May, March, April, May. And then I started the um, – so, so then my strength came back, and then I was able to start walking again uh, in going on decent walks. And then I was able to uh, to start doing my work again and sounding. And then that strengthened things so that I could, could – uh, there, so that I'm just my vitality is back. I, I'm um, my I'm standing straighter. I'm grounding differently. They they tried to uh, there was a, I, I was part of a study that was about a balance study, and um, they there was a, a test that we had to take that to, to test what the balance the situation of our balance uh, ability was. And I was able to stand up um, regardless of them tipping the floor and tipping the walls. I was able to hold my balance through the whole thing. And that was tied to the, the um, grounding work that I teach and practice. And um, so, so there were real examples of opportunities to see the, how the, the sound work had benefited uh, and brought much more strength to my condition. Just by listening to you, Judith, we all can tell that you are a powerful woman with great strength. Mm. What really happened to shift things? <clears throat> well, I think it was that coming into acceptance. And and what I realized was that there was a part of me that, that this is really... Um, um, I'm going I'm to talk about this. It's a little tricky to talk about that sometimes. So I was so committed to the idea of not taking any drugs. I mean, I was really, really committed to that idea. Uh, drugs. I, I have a, um, 
very strong opinions about the drug industry and and its um, um, the problem of the drug in- industry in the medical world. And so I th- I realized that a part of my a part of a, p- a large part of my energy was was tied up in the, that belief, and it was a really odd for me to to sit to get very quiet and realize that um, to to wonder to let myself entertain the notion that it might be possible for me to to actually get better by taking a little bit of the drugs and so it's what I thought about were the times when I when I move it's we're working in duality and there's this um, if I want to if when I was at my worst with walking, if I wanted to move forward, sometimes I'd have to lean back a little bit and then follow the the um, wave forward. So, um, so you move in the opposite direction to the direction you want to move. I I could think think of examples of that in my life about um, um, about times that I needed when I was going to Hawaii. First, I had to go to to Wyoming to do some work with a wolf before I to get the information about sounding with wolves so I could go out to Hawaii to to um work with the whales. Which so there were situations like that that I thought of that that are sometimes we have to do the opposite of what we think in order to, to get what it is that to, to ride the wave of that to take us to where we're really going. And um so I think that, that was that was really the moment was was moving into acceptance that um that I had that that I was dealing with these symptoms that I um had I wanted to do some some alternative things that might take me into a, a very uh, dependent place for a while and the fact was that I was staying with my children uh because I came back from Hawaii without a place to stay and I was not in a relationship so my support system was um I had a wonderful support system in friends that would show up to help, but I didn't have a partner to that would be that close of a system. And I had um, my my children were not um, really able to be with me in the um, um, most dependent parts of the Parkinson's experience, and so so I I was felt alone in it in certain in certain ways, and I felt that that was going to be the thing was to um to to do some of the drugs and get myself going up again and so that's what I did and that that was the turning point <laughs> this which seems really strange to talk about because this is um because I know how committed pe- the listeners are to um to not wanting to go the drug route and um and I and I share that commitment and I'm not saying to take a lot of drugs but but sometimes it was like to take the edge off of it so that I could get going again. <laughs> That's the turning point. <laughs> How did you apply your own work to the symptoms that you were experiencing, to your own situation? Well, sometimes I'd find myself laying in bed and I would I would tone. Uh, I, I'd find myself naturally toning. So the the exercise that I was talking about earlier where you just follow the um you you allow the breath uh the sound to color the breath 
I would I'd be laying in bed and I'd found I'd find myself toning and the, and the toning um, helps strengthen the system. It, it's it's working with the vibration of the body and it pardon me it brings strength into the system. So I would I would build I would I would ride that and I would take advantage of that when it was naturally happening and when it um uh, sometimes i would i would deliberately lay there and and tone also so you can start with actually just following your breath and and doing um conscious breathing that um uh, that with conscious breathing then that helps to uh activate the the uh well let me preface this by saying that with parkinson's symptoms a lot of times we the, the muscles start contracting in the front, and we get sort of bent over. Uh, and there's a, there's a postural thing that happens. And so, if we take the opportunity to do some very deep belly breathing, then that will help to keep the consci- consciousness moving that way. It'll help it, the conscious the conscious uh, application of belly breathing help stimulating stimulate it so it'll happen on an unconscious way and that's what part of what we want to retain that ability we don't want to cave in the caving in um it it contributes to the the part of the vocal problems that happen for parkinson's people so any sort of activity that we do to keep the belly breathing active is uh, going to be really really good for us so I I tried to do what I could in uh those in the um the year the time during the time that I was spending a lot of time in bed. And then now I do the toning work that I do. And then there's another part that I do which has to do with singing the emotional body. And that uh I in that I I use my voice to explore the emotional realm. So I'll, it takes it's a it's a practice that blends mindfulness with uh being willing to sound that the moment sound what you're feeling in the moment and as you do that you you learn that to ride the wave of the emotions and as soon as you as soon as you give voice to different emotions um they will they'll they will shift into a different emotion and it can be quite a, a lovely experience when you're really ready and willing to, to ride with it. Sometimes then it'll take you into the darker stuff that we don't oftentimes want to feel, but that darker stuff is holding us in uh, our, it's, it's living there in the shadow and it needs to be, to be uh, it, it wants to be voiced. And as soon as it is voiced, then it rides out into the light and then it's not tugging at us any longer. So, um, so some of the some of the mo- most wonderful work I've done recently has been um, when I've been able to be in a safe space to sound some of the anger that I felt uh, at at the uh, situation of uh, dealing with the Parkinson's symptoms <laughs> that as they come and go, and um, and and I in the safe space I found that the anger went into rage, which then went into shame. And I was surprised at the amount of shame I was walking with. And so I was able to voice that. And so 
So singing the emotional body can help heal that place that that contributes to the mind-body split. And I think that that's actually one of the gifts of, that's one of the gifts of Parkinson's is um, that when we, when we take it, when we stop and we accept what we're given here and the conditions that we're given, that then we, and we start to walk with it. So that's, that's the um, notion of partnering with it. Rather than fighting against it, we partner with it. It can call, call us into, it can call forth the warrior in, in us. So I feel that it's called forth the warrior in me to, to, if I'm going to partner with it, then I have to, to be in the strongest, uh, part of myself to be able to meet the, the challenges that some of the Parkinson's symptoms offer. And then in meeting that, that actually working together, then there's a way that we blend into a union so that it's, so that the, uh, recovery rides on top of that. So with the emotional body, it gives us the opportunity to 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 um, to, to meet parts of ourselves that we buried for a, maybe a lifetime, and offers the opportunity for us to to give voice, to acknowledge all of that, and to to move into a level of wholeness that we might not have ordinarily reached. So it's um, it's a real call to to it's a, a call into awakening into the fullness of our of our beings i'm robert rogers from parkinson's recovery my guest today is judith lind who is a harmonic healer judith you're going to be offering an hour and a half workshop in cincinnati ohio at the parkinson's recovery summit Will you also be offering opportunities for individuals to get individual sessions with you uh, yes, I will. I will. Um, and how will that work? Can people make advance arrangements for that if they'd like to do that in advance? Yeah, they can. Um, if they want to email me, that would be great. And just go in through my website. And uh, it's info at harmonichealing.com is my email. Uh, the website is, is uh, www.harmonichealing.com. And uh, they can email me uh certainly anybody who wants to talk with me is welcome to give me a call and um we can we can discuss possible possibilities um i'm will take uh take uh private sessions first come first serve depending on um what my level of uh well, it's going to be a dance, I think, because there's so much being offered at the summit <laughs> that um, uh, that I know that people are going to want to be doing workshops as well as seeing people privately. And so um, I I plan to just work with that, you know, to to be flexible when I get there and and schedule people in as I as I can. So anybody who is interested to work with me. Um, would it would be good for them to let me know ahead of time so that they're up at the top of the list. Harmonic is a tough word to spell. You better spell the entire website for people. Oh gosh, thank you. Um www dot H A R M O N I C H E A L I N G dot com. 
C-O-M. <laughs> and from the earlier discussion you had with Sherilyn, it's obvious, too, that people can email you and obtain private consultations at long distance. That is, you can do that over the phone. So somebody can live in London or France or Haiti, oh, yeah. and they can yeah. call you and either Skype or do that on a direct phone connection. Yeah, I have... Um I've got clients from Australia, New Zealand, um, England, and uh, Spain, and Skype has just been amazing. It's an amazing tool. But we're so fortunate now to have the um, to have internet and uh, you know the, the capability to to reach around the globe, and it's such an exciting time. And I am uh, thrilled to be part of it. <laughs> Judith, I would love to be able to get you to discuss certain topics. So I'm going to give you a particular topic and see if I can get you to say just a little bit about it. Mm. What about the topic, getting into the present moment? Oh, gosh. Um, Well, that is the goal. And the goal is to be fully in the present moment, to be in in the alignment with that um, that soul arc that I I spoke about with um when I was describing harmonic healing that that when we're in that alignment where where the, the the belly, the heart and the mind are in balanced alignment with each other and we drop into that state of pono, then we're able to be in present moment. And um the that's that is that's the goal. The the one thing that happens, I think, that I've, I've noticed commonly in Parkinson's people, is that we tend to start worrying about the future, and that was certainly part of my picturing when I was on the um, spending all the time in bed, where you have a lot of time to think about this stuff, and you, it, you all the what ifs go through your mind, and I kept being my. It was as if I had guidance that was kept turning me back to the present moment. And so if I could focus on the notion that that I have everything I need right now and that and and list the things that are are um that are good about this moment, it it helped me settle down and I could feel my my breathing would relax, my my whole system would calm down and I could begin to to get into a happy space rather than into a worried space. And all of if we can get into a happy space, then everything that comes forth will will be in vibrational vibrational heart uh sorry, vibrational alignment with with that um happy place. So the thing is it's a little challenging when you're feeling so crummy to get into the happy place. So it's um it helps me to be able to to look at the um, to look at it with the question, is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? And if I could find the place where the glass is half full and I could begin to see even one or two bright spots in the moment, I could pour my energy into that and then and then that would grow. And um, that's part of what... Part part of living in the present moment would would assist me in being in finding that happy place. 
I've heard you use the term power of the word several times over the last hour. What's the big deal about the power of the word? Ah, uh, well, <laughs> in the um, many religious texts or spiritual texts begin with the uh, words that that um, that describe that. That creation starts first in the nothingness. The first, first there's the, the the void or the or the unformed consciousness. Or there are lots of different names for this. Um, the Hawaiians talk about it as well. Is that that first the um, the first there is the darkness. There's the nothingness, and then there's a spark, and this spark begins the initial wave, frequency wave for the manifestation of the of the universe. So the spark comes first and and then the word comes next. And what manifests is dependent upon what the word is. And so the um the idea behind a lot of the work that I do has to do with with connecting with the unformed space first, then connecting with the frequency of the vibration that w- that's that's emitting from there. So I do that through through the sound, through the toning. And then to to um find a word that uh that call for, call for a word that's appropriate for the, for the manifestation of that moment. So is so there's a way to choose so so for instance when I talked about suffering with Parkinson's or um partnering with Parkinson's that if I if I use the word suffering then I'm I'm suffering with Parkinson's. I, if I say I am, that makes a places an ownership on it in a certain way. So if I if I say I am suffering, then I can feel my body sink down. If um, I mean, you can just you can try that on if you like. Just I am suffering, and and I mean it's a great operatic word. And as an opera singer, <laughs> it's an awesome one to. To, to sing as an opera singer, but um, <laughs> um, but but I wouldn't want to entertain it much more. And, and what, if I if I sang it, then I would feel it move. Um, so so my choice is then to to go to I am partnering with it, and it feels like that to me. That feels like a, a calmer, more uplifting set of words to use in in relationship to the conditions that are present in my life at this time now. So even those the choice of those words were were conscious choice uh consciously chosen. So the difference between suffering and partnering is that a sense of the power of reframing? Yeah, exactly. It is. Yes. And and I I find that that's that's a, a, a subtle thing to work with too, because there's the um, it, when I was initially diagnosed, I I got uh, and I put something on my Facebook page about it, and so I have a lot of people that are into the idea of co-creating through your thought, and um, that I have a lot of people like that on, that are Facebook friends and a lot of students, and and it's been part of my my universe, and so. Um, so 
the response was, well, why would you create Parkinson's? Why did you, a vibrational healer, do that? <laughs> and um, and it was, uh, you know, and and I was sitting there with that with that question myself that I didn't want to acknowledge um, because it was just too embarrassing. And um, and there was this notion that that um, that 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 if I were able to think enough positive thoughts for a long enough time, I could flip the situation so I wouldn't be uh, showing Parkinson's symptoms. And um, so so it was, and at the same time, I was also at at the the, the doctor's office. When they they gave me the diagnosis, they also gave me a lot of printed material which showed a lot of happy faces, happy couples. Um, It was basically came off as being Parkinson's propaganda, which showed a lot of, a lot of um, you know, they're basically wanting you to, to know that you can have a happy life, even though you're walking with Parkinson's. So, which is a, a you know, it, that's a great thought to have, but, but in the moment when I was feeling really, really crummy and really shocked at this horror, horrific thing and the feeling that my life was over, because I had been having this diagnosis, and I knew that the physical walk that I was walking with was so so painful and horrible um it was It was polarizing for me to um have a lot of of um ha- happy pictures being being presented and so so the idea so so there's a difference between going into denial with a situation or meeting it and then being able to reframe it. So if I if I go into denial, it felt to me that, that the, the the Parkinson's propaganda was in a way sort of a denial of the fact that there was all this awful stuff going on with with um that I was experiencing in my Parkinson's world. But if I could meet if I could meet that and then and then find the happy places then i could reframe it so that the the uh reframing was a way to um to the 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 metaphor of is the is the glass half empty or the glass half full was a way to to meet the condition and then reframe it into the, the glass is half full and then grow that thought It's not very often, uh, Judith, that I get an opera singer uh, on the show as a guest. So I just have to ask, is it possible that you could sing us something here at the end of the show? Oh, sure. (laughs) Thank you for asking, Robert. Um, Yeah, hold on a second. Let Let me compose myself here.
goes on in endless song above earth's lamentation I hear the real yet far off hymn that hails a new creation through all the tumult and the strife I hear